Ole Miss easily dispatched of Central Arkansas 59-3, and that's not a surprise. Here are my three takeaways, though, from this game this weekend, and we're going to go over week three lines right here on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Lockdown Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for joining us on this magical mystery tour we call Ole Miss Fandom. And thank you again for making the Lockdown Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So subscribe to the YouTube channel, check, um, upvote the video itself, and of course hit the bell for notifications. I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with promo code locked on two words and get your first deposit doubled up to a hundred bucks. That is pretty cool. So the gist of this episode is this quarterback thing needs to be put to bed. This is our first takeaway from this weekend. This quarterback thing is over. It is unfortunate maybe the way that everything went down, but this quarterback situation is done. Um, hand Jackson dart the ball. Give him the reps in practice. Give him the reps in games. And let's go win some football games. That is something that, in my opinion, needed to be done two weeks ago. But now that we've gone through this charade, we need to be there now. With the first road game at Georgia Tech on the horizon, we need to be at our best as the competition steps up. A Power 5 team, no matter which Power 5 team, is going to be a step up from a G5 or a FCS team. So we need to start getting our act together. We've got two weeks before Kentucky is in town, and that has a chance to be a seventh ranked versus 13th ranked game. Now, Alabama and Arkansas is that same weekend, and that one is could be two and six. So that's probably where game day is going to go. But somebody like SEC Nation, they could be in Oxford that day. But the main takeaway that I'm taking from this game is that Jackson Dart is the guy. Luke Altmaier had a great first quarter, and he did everything he could possibly do. In the second quarter, it was a little bit of a disaster. He injured himself a little bit. He didn't look exactly right. It affected him. I think he went 0 for 6 with an interception in the second quarter. Rightly or wrongly, fairly or not, that is likely going to be the determining factor in this quarterback race. Because he's going to have to recover. He's going to have to miss time. Jackson Dart is going to get those primary reps, and it's likely going to be his job moving forward. Now, what do we get from Jackson Dart? A good player, former Gatorade National Player of the Year, super strong arm, very athletic. He looks the part. He flashes all over the place. He made a throw with like 9 minutes and 11 seconds left to go in the third quarter. If you want to see um, the game, if you watch the replay that's on our YouTube page, you can click on that at 9 minutes and 11 seconds um, in the third quarter. He makes a pass that is better than any I've seen made this year, maybe by anybody. So he's got the goods, all kinds of flashing, unbelievable ceilings. They were talking about it all broadcast. 
by the end of the broadcast, they were just gushing over him. And does this mean he is going to take the bull by the horns and go into Atlanta and just completely walk over Georgia Tech? No, of course it doesn't. But I think it gives our, our gives us our best chance to do that. Because if you look at the other games in the SEC over this past weekend, Alabama struggled mightily with Texas. It's a game that if Quinn, Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, Alabama probably loses that game. Texas A&M loses to Appalachian State. All of a sudden, the West looks oh so open. There's so many things that could happen. And Ole Miss has a pathway for glory. Now, coming into this season, all we heard was this was Alabama's best team under Nick Saban and Texas A&M spent $31 million on a signing class. And Brian Kelly's coming here and being paid $30 million or something um, to come down here and get them back to respectability. And all of this was happening in the West. And then you had Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, and you had the also-rans. I'm not going to count Sam Pittman, Pittman um, because he, I guess he's just viewed differently for some reason. Or Brian Harson, who they are actively trying to fire pretty consistently. So I'm not counting those, but for Kiffin and Leach, you have a chance. And for Ole Miss or State to compete, the quarterback position has to be maximized. You have to roll the dice with the higher ceiling kid. You can't play it necessarily safe because the options are there. Now, like I said, Luke Altmaier played a good first quarter. Three, uh, two one-yard touchdowns and ran in um, a touchdown that he hurt himself on. Now, overall, if you actually watch the passes and everything, and this isn't an indictment on him, but early on the deep ball was not so sharp. We just had playmakers that just made plays. Jonathan Mingo went absolutely beast mode in that game. He did it um, for Jackson Dart. He did it for Luke Altmaier. Both of them were the recipient of his talent. Best pass for Luke Altmaier was probably an RPO pass to um, Malik Heath over the middle. That, that was a nice play, probably his best pass of the night. And Jackson Dart, like I said, was that 9-minute, 11-second out route that he just threw a seed over the sideline. They caught that, and yeah, it, it was something else. But this charade of a quarterback competition needs to be over. This needs to stop. Now, we might find out. Today at 1 o'clock when they do the press conference, it gets a named. It can come out at any time that the quarterback has been named. But my takeaway from Saturday is that it needs to stop. This needs to be over because there's so much more that Ole Miss needs to handle that they can't do until the quarterback situation is done. And that involves culture. That involves leadership. That involves 18 different things that they can't touch while they're doing this quarterback dance. It's the reason it's not ideal. They mentioned all of this. I'm not saying this. They've said this. So they said it's not ideal. It's not ideal. But this can provide a way. If he goes in, gets all the reps in practice, takes the leadership, he has a natural leadership to him. He throws a really pretty ball, and his deep ball looked a ton better against Central Arkansas. 
And we also have those backs. Zach Evans, Quinchon Judkins, Ulysses Bentley the fourth, got Michael Trigg at tight end. Let the playmakers work. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But I'm excited. I watched that game against Central Arkansas, and I understand it's Central Arkansas. It's it's not even a good FCS team. I understand that. But operationally, I saw a team that took a step. I saw a team that could be pretty dangerous. Now, both quarterbacks had a problem and have a problem, because I haven't seen them fix it yet, of whenever the first mistake happens, it can snowball on them. One mistake becomes two, becomes three, and that's the reason a series, a drive, looks really sloppy. Because they're able, they're getting in their own head, and it's affecting the way they play. That's part of being a young quarterback. That's part of what Lane Kiffin and Charlie Watts Jr. needs to get out of the quarterbacks. But I did see something that I didn't see against Troy. Against Troy, one series became two. Two series became three, and it was increasingly sloppy. Against UCA, I saw one series that was not good. And there's a situation, Jackson Dart has a problem where his lower half of his body and his upper half are out of sync. It causes his passes to be inaccurate or inaccurate um, from time to time. But he can get that cleaned up. That's coachable. That's fixable. It's just a quarterback that is used to, and it's one of his selling points is off-platform throws. Well, if you do that, sometimes you can get in a little bit of trouble. Your fundamentals could leak out, and you end up making a poor pass from time to time. And Jackson Dart did that in a series against Central Arkansas, but he bounced back, which he didn't do against Troy. The only thing that Jackson Dart needs is reps, period. I have no doubt about it. Now, is he going to be the greatest quarterback in Ole Miss history? I don't know. Nobody knows that. Is he going to be a good quarterback? Potentially, yes. He's got the flashes, and you see the flashes of him doing it all the time. And me talking positively about Jackson Dart from time to time, somehow people take that as me giving an indictment to Luke Altmaier, and that's not the case. It's not the case at all. You can talk positive about one and it not have anything to do with the other. The only thing that they have in common is they want the same job. That is it. Both of them do things relatively well. I predict, and I have predicted for weeks now, I believe, that Jackson Dart was going to be the ultimate winner of this job. And it's not that I'm rooting for Jackson Dart. It's just that Jackson Dart hasn't done anything that makes me think that he won't get better. It won't get done. He He's some sort of a danger to the position for him going in there. And the benefits way outweigh the risk. Completely. And I saw this against Central Arkansas. I saw it against Troy. First scrimmage he went out. All of that he put together. He should have won this job. And he honestly probably should have won the job before the season started. I understand wanting to do right by Luke. I get that. But now let's put this charade aside and go win football games.
concentrate on the other things that this team needs to concentrate on. If we do that and win some games, there is a path for us to win the West. Whenever we come back, um, I am going to tell you the other things that I took away from this weekend. But, of course, I had to start with the quarterbacks, right? Anyway. I want to tell you about the easiest and the most fun ways to spice up your season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game for college football. Just look for your favorite Rebels stats and pick whether you think it'll end up with a higher or lower than that number in this week's game. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players for your Pick'em slip, get all your picks right, and you'll take home some cold, hard cash. It's simple to get started. Just head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, sign up with promo code LOCKEDON, that's two words, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code LOCKEDON. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Omas podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast including iTunes and Spotify. You don't have to leave, um, you, can, you don't have to say anything, just leave a five-star review. You can type out whatever. You can talk about Steve is unbelievably biased or he's a narcissist or all of this stuff. You can say all of that. Just put it on there with a five-star review. That'll help others find the show. It may not be your cup of tea, but it could be somebody's and we'd appreciate it. Pre- appreciate you for that. All right, the second takeaway that I took from Saturday as our playmakers showed up, and specifically Jonathan Mingo. And he made two fairly unbelievable catches. He did a DK Metcalf-esque catch, Tyrone Prothrow of it behind the defender on an underthrown pass. And he made this running one-handed grab that almost the laws of physics say he shouldn't be able to do. Unbelievable play. And to see Jonathan Mingo doing that, it kind of warms my heart a little bit because he's a good player. He's always been a good player. Last year was kind of taken from him due to injury, but he's healthy. He's making plays. And I think he's got a touchdown this season on a rush, even though it was technically a backwards pass, but it it counts as a rush. And those long passes where he had three catches for 103 yards this past weekend. He has a chance to be a dude and a chance to make all kinds of plays. And he added a specialty to our punt return game. Actually return the ball. We've had str- we had trouble returning punts since what? 2010, 2009? Since Dexter was lining up back there? It's just an unbelievable like string of futility in the punt return game. Well, Jonathan Mingo went back there, returned the ball a couple of times, showed he was a player. And we'll see exactly where he goes from here, but he had a really good game against Central Arkansas. We'll see if he can duplicate it against Georgia Tech. Michael Trigg had three touchdowns. I think he has potentially maybe four in the season or something like that, or maybe they stopped him just short of the end zone against Troy. But only four catches, 30 yards or something like that. Five catches, 30 yards, three touchdowns. But it shows a rapport with the tight end, and he becomes a red zone weapon. 
absolutely a playmaker, just a big guy. He's honestly, he's not necessarily a plus tight end or a plus wide receiver like Evan Ingram was. He's he's a true tight end, and it'll be interesting to see him develop over time. Malik Heath made plays in the past game again, caught another touchdown pass. They're coming. They have some depth on the outside with Malik Heath and Jonathan Mingo. And in the slot, you have Jalen Robinson, who had a bounce-back game of sorts. And you can see his quickness um, on display. He looked. He looks like he could be a good player. He just needs to kind of get in the groove of things. I understand that we need everybody now to be in the groove, but Jalen, Ro- Jalen Robinson is a relatively new player. Jalen Watkins caught a pass. Um, Dalen Wade caught a deep ball who – say what you will about Dalen Wade. The kid's making plays. And that's not even counting the running backs. Zach Evans had 53 yards rushing and a touchdown. Quinshawn Judkins, 103 yards, 104 yards. Um, and Ulysses Bentley had like 50 yards as well. Rebs accounted for like 240 yards on the ground, had 280 through the air. And the secret to that offense is – Letting the playmakers work. If you remember back to when Kiffin was talking in camp, he talked about overthrowing deep balls, not giving your playmakers a chance, them being essentially long foul balls instead of home runs. And what you saw is a team getting a little bit better with the deep ball. You're seeing the reps start to take over. You're seeing some cohesiveness start to take over. And it's going to get better and better as the competition progresses. Should be really, really interesting to see. Um, but the playmakers absolutely, um, just they're just playmakers galore on this team. The last takeaway from this weekend is the defense is legit. I know I gush over them all the time, and I gushed most of last week on them. But the defense is legit. Very, very fast. Very quick. Ball hawks. Really aggressive tacklers. And apparently that was in the plan to be an aggressive tackler. And they, they've done a pretty good job of it. And, you know, Kari Coleman, he had like two more tackles for loss and a half sack this week. So he's up to like eight tackles for loss, seven tackles for loss, and a and – Two and a half sacks. And for a part-time player, that's just unbelievable numbers. And the two sacks and five tackles for loss didn't come against UCA. It came against Troy. So it's interesting. All of this stuff, all these questions that we're finally starting to get answers to, and we will continue to get answers to them, is going to be very, very impressive because, honestly, what it means you know, it, it, just exactly what does it mean? And you see a defense that can take up the slack of the offense from time to time. Ole Miss has played seven straight games without get, letting an opponent over 21 points. That's the longest streak in the nation and something that four years ago I would have chuckled at you if you suggested that Ole Miss would do it, especially with the amount of play volume that they would have to handle. You see, play volume is an 
underrated secret to playing defense. Look at North Carolina. Does anybody think that Gene Chizik is a poor defensive coordinator? No, he's not great. He's not gangbusters, but he's not poor. People keep hiring him to do it. But you pair him with Phil Longo, and the defense is going to have to deal with a ton of play volume because there's going to be a lot of touchdowns scored by UNC on short drives. This is real similar to what goes on at Ole Miss. So the defense needs to be set up and constructed to where they can handle that volume. Ole Miss has taken three years to build the depth required to rotate them in and out and not have a big gap between the first and the second team. That's been an Ole Miss thing for years, but it looks like Ole Miss might be there. Fine. And if you look at this defense and where they're going, and we'll learn something against Georgia Tech, we'll learn something against Tulsa, and then we'll really learn something against Kentucky about this defense doing well. Against Kentucky, speaking of which, um, Kedron Smith, pick six, pick six to Florida this weekend. Um, but it should be interesting. I mean, it's all building to that Kentucky game. Now, there's a chance that people are going to put too much emphasis on that Kentucky game, and if it were to go south, it could wreck Ole Miss's season. That, that potential exists. Like in 2001 against Arkansas in the seven-overtime game, Ole Miss loses that game. They lose three out of the next four. So they need to be careful and look at it, I don't know, be on your P's and Q's, but let it be just a game. That's, that's my thing. But those are the three things that I took away from the game this past weekend. As you gear for fall, you need the right people to on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier for you to find people you want to talk to faster and for free. So this is what you do. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. That's like 10% of the world's population, by the way. Then add your job with the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people. They have simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college and post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube page if you don't mind. Hit the bell for notifications of videos that go up, which happens quite frequently. And, of course, upvote the video itself. So it should be a lot of fun there. Anyway, let's get to lines. The lines came out this week. And, you know, I am kind of impressed because I tried to guess these lines a couple of times. And I'm I, there's a couple of them that I hit 
eerily close to. But we'll start off in Columbia, South Carolina with the Georgia Bulldogs going to South Carolina. Georgia's a 24-point favorite over the Gamecocks. Um, in this game, I always picture Steve Spurrier talking about how much he liked to play Georgia early because they always had one or two players suspended. Spurrier was absolutely hilarious. This is a game that, honestly, uh, I think I think that number might be too low. This game's got like 41 to 10 written all over it, something like that. So we'll, we'll see what it looks like. Youngstown State is at Kentucky in a no-line game. Um, you know, Kentucky's probably going to handle that fairly easily. Abilene Christian at Missouri, another no-line game. They're probably going to handle that as well. Ole Miss favored by 14.5 points over Georgia Tech on the road. In Atlanta, two-touchdown favorite. That is respect for the Rebs, and it's pretty close to about what I would – pick. Ole Miss is giving up about six and a half points a game right now and they're scoring in the neighborhood of about 40. So I mean, it, it's it's a pretty interesting spread at the moment. But I kind of like that Ole Miss line. Penn State favored by three points over Auburn. Um, so I don't see Penn State winning this game by just a field goal. Auburn has been anemic all the way through their preseason. And what's going on with them? I I just I don't I I think that three is too low, honestly. Vanderbilt is actually getting points on the road at Northern Illinois. It's one and a half point game spread, favored by Northern Illinois. Um, that's a game I just like. I like the doors. I th- I thought the doors would be um favored by about three points. This is a game that I think unless they fall apart and completely vandy this. They have a chance to make some plays and do some things against a decent G5 program um, at Northern Illinois. ULM. ULM beat Nick Saban in his first year at Alabama. Alabama played like absolute garbage at Texas. I mean, absolute. It was was putrid. It was terrible. Alabama's favored by 50 points over ULM. And you know what? I'm not sure they're not going to hit it. This is a number that makes me go, eh. you know, because if ULM recovers a fumble and kicks a field goal or, you know, gets a short field or something and scores a touchdown, all of a sudden Bama's got to score 60 just to cover. So it's an interesting line, but I, I honestly, I'm thinking of Bama at this point. Uh, is absolutely crazy. Mississippi State is favored by two and a half points at LSU, at Tiger Stadium. Should be interesting. Um, if you remember correctly, the last time Mississippi State and Mike Leach went down there, K.J. Costello threw for about 670 yards in that football game. The, it should be an interesting game. You kind of learn something about both these teams moving forward. Missouri State at Arkansas, it's a no-line game. I expect Arkansas to get right as they build towards that game on October 1st against Alabama. Akron and Joe Moorhead is at Tennessee. Tennessee is favored by 47 points. That's right, 47 points. These lines are just astronomical. I mean, Akron's probably really bad, but 47 points, absolutely nuts. 
And South Florida is at Florida. Florida is favored by 24 points. This is a game that I expect the Gators to cover relatively easily unless they just completely let Kentucky beat them twice and turn the ball over and play extremely sloppy. I don't think a Billy Napier team is going to do that. I think take the Gators in that game. And the last game is interesting. Texas A&M is favored by five and a half points over Miami of Florida. Why is that interesting? Well, Appalachian State just beat Texas A&M. And if they can pull it out and do that. Now, Appalachian State got last second field goal beat by Miami last year. So these two teams have struggled with App State. But if Miami is going to be back, they can't be back without winning this game. Texas A&M can't be back without winning this game. This game is going to go a long way to telling us about the other team. If that makes any any sense at all. It's going to go a long way to tell us about the other team. So that is the week three lines. Thank you very much for um, that. And also, I want to remind you to get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Every day, host Chris Gordy and his local experts of Locked On take you around the SEC in 30 minutes or less. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. Locked On SEC. You heard my takeaways. Lots of stuff to do. It's going to be a fun week. Hopefully, we get some get some resolutions here fairly quickly. Bryce Kuhn is going to come by tomorrow, and he's going to talk about the preview of the Georgia Tech game. He's basically the Georgia Tech 24-7 writer, I think. Um, over there, he's going to talk about them. We find out what's going on with the Yellow Jackets. And also, in honor of this week, tune in on my, my history section on the YouTube page. I do have a video about why Georgia Tech is not in the SEC now. Not why they left. We all know that story. My story is about why they didn't get back in in the 70s. So that video is down below as well. So anyway, hope everybody has a good day. I will see you a little bit later on today whenever the press conference hits. Talk to you later. 